0: What is up, everyone? It is Quinn here back with another video, and today I'm gonna be talking about five must-draft rookies in redraft fantasy football. So over the last few weeks, I've been diving into this rookie class, you know, talking about these guys a ton, but it has been through the lens of dynasty fantasy football and rookie drafts. Now we're gonna be looking at these guys from like a year one perspective, and so players that I think can make an impact here as rookies, and then just guys in general that I think are values at their current ADP, going to be using underdog fantasy football to get those ADPs. um'm then just going through five players today. If you enjoy the content, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Let me know your thoughts on these players. Are you in on them at their current price or are you out? Um, and let's just jump right into my first must draft rookie. I'm going to be talking about Jameer Gibbs here. He's going off the board as the running back 13 and an early fourth round pick. I really like him at this price and i think on more casual platforms more casual leagues i think he's going to be going even later than this i wouldn't be surprised if like on espn yahoo these sites i would not be surprised if he was going like fifth maybe even sixth round if we're being totally honest here i feel like the instant receiving impact of gibbs is being completely undervalued and i also think if we didn't have Bijan going top 10 I'm guessing Gibbs would be getting more hype as like a redraft guy, but we're seeing Bijan go off the board as the running back two. And then Gibbs is all the way down here as like a, you know, an RB two option instead of being close to like the RB two overall. Now I believe I had Gibbs as my RB 11 in my redraft ranks, but I also just think he's worth more than like an early fourth round pick. So I think he's a few running back slots too low. And then I also just think he should be pushed up a little bit, probably into uh somewhere in the third round. And I kind of like to use Swift's 2022 workload as like a reference point for what Jameer Gibbs could be in this offense, because in 2022, DeAndre Swift averaged seven carries a game and five targets per game. And if we remember back to last season, everyone all season long was complaining about Swift's usage. They're underutilizing him. You know, it felt like they were just totally limiting his potential. And seven carries, five targets. Like That's not a terrible workload, but it's definitely not going to be getting it done at like a high level for fantasy. And now they bring in a running back like Jameer Gibbs, who has a pretty similar skill set to Swift, but in my opinion, just a much better player maybe you want to push back on that. I think the draft capital says otherwise. The receiving profile says otherwise. And I mean, just the fact that the Lions were willing to give away Swift for pretty much nothing and spend elite draft capital to bring in Jameer Gibbs, even if you personally don't think he's the better player, the Lions clearly do, which is going to affect you know, his uh, playing time and workload. So if Swift, in an offense where they didn't really like him, didn't really trust him, if he's getting seven carries, five targets a game, I don't think it's crazy for Jameer Gibbs to come in as a rookie, average 10, 11 carries a game, six targets per game. And I truly believe if you give Gibbs that workload, I think he's going to be giving you RB1 production. With that seven carry, five target per game workload last season, DeAndre Swift was the running back 15 in PPR points per game. I feel like Gibbs is gonna come in here. I think he's gonna outproduce Swift pretty easily. I think he's gonna be a top 12 guy. And just looking at this from the Lions perspective, you're just not gonna go out and draft a running back at pick 12 if you're gonna give him a super small workload and not have a plan for them coming into year one. So I like Jameer Gibbs and I'm honestly just excited to see his workload. And I'm excited to see him ball out in this offense behind this strong offensive line and very interested in just seeing how they use him in general. Now, the second tight end that I think is a must draft might be a little bit of a surprise. It's going to be Dalton Kincaid here. He's going off the board as the tight end 11, a 10th round pick. And I understand the concern with Kincaid here. Rookie tight ends really just do not produce. It's you know happened for a while now. They really, really struggle in year one. And so it might be surprising for me to talk about Kincaid as a must draft. And if I'm being totally honest, like, I would like it if his ADP was a little bit lower. I'm guessing in more casual platforms, his ADP is going to be lower than this, but I'm honestly still fine with paying like a tight end 11 price. And I'm just fine kind of taking a swing here on Kincaid. And the first reason is just that you're not really missing out on anyone at the tight end position. It's not like you're taking a swing on Kincaid and passing on, you know, some high upside other option. Like we've got Pat Fryermuth going ahead of Kincaid. I don't think there's a ton of upside there. He's probably going to be a back-end tight end one like we saw last year. And then going after Kincaid, you've got guys like Dalton Schultz, Okonkwo, who I think is actually a little bit interesting, but like Komet, like give me Kincaid locked in over Schultz and Komet very, very easily. And I think the main reason why I'm interested in Kincaid is the fact that he may not be utilized like a traditional tight end. And I understand we kind of hear this stuff every year. It's like the running back out of the slot narrative. A lot of teams say it. Rarely does it ever kind of make a meaningful impact. But I think in this situation, if we really look at it, it makes a lot of sense for the Bills to use Kincaid more as like a wide receiver, a slot option. He totally has the ability. We saw that in college. He doesn't have to be in line to produce. Also, his strength is not in the blocking department, and Dawson Knox overall is a very, very solid tight end. The Bills are also very thin at wide receiver, so it's not like they would be benching like a strong slot guy in favor of Dalton Kincaid. Gabe Davis is still their wide receiver too. That slot role is wide open at this point, and I just want to kind of shift the perspective a little bit because say we had a first round wide receiver stepping into the slot here for the Bills. I mean, people would be going absurd. They would be all in. And so I think, you know, we should be a little hesitant because that role isn't locked in. But the more I look at this offense, it just makes a ton, a ton of sense for the Bills to utilize him kind of like how they've been saying. I just don't think you're going to get this kind of upside at the tight end position. And I think if there is one guy to kind of, you know, buck the trend of tight end struggling as a rookie, it could be Dalton Kincaid, especially in this kind of new role on an elite offense, where there are just going to be targets open, if Kincaid is talented enough, he is going to get the ball. So you know, I'd take a swing here at tight end. You're not going to find a lot of high upside guys going in this range, so that's why I'd kind of take the risk there with him. Now, my third must draft rookie is going to be Roshan Johnson, and this is kind of a steep fall off. He's going as the running back 45, a 12th round pick, and I just think when we're looking at these rookie running backs. I think he's going to have the opportunity to just outright win the starting job here with the Bears. This is currently a three-man backfield with Roshon Johnson, Khalil Herbert, and then Deontay Foreman. And at this point, it kind of feels like a lock that Roshon Johnson is going to come in and take the passing work. It's kind of interesting because I think if you look at Roshon Johnson as a pass catcher, like he can do it, but I don't think people would say like that's his like best asset or best skill set. Um, Just looking at these other two running backs and why I think this is a lock for Roshan, the other two, Foreman and Herbert, they caught 14 total passes in 30 total games last year. So these dudes just are not receiving options. Roshan Johnson caught 23 passes as a college freshman, Um, and so I think he has that three-down skill set. If he's gonna be the receiving guy that's already given him a foot in the door, he can play special teams. His leadership has been well-documented. He's just gonna be a guy who's gonna come in. He's gonna have a role very early on. And then guys like Herbert Foreman, they were pretty effective on the ground last year, especially Khalil Herbert. I mean, Foreman came in, had some big games with the Panthers, but I also just don't think it's crazy for Roshan Johnson to kind of come in, eat into some of those opportunities. And if you're gonna give them to me at a uh, RB4 price tag, you're going to be getting a rookie running back who feels like he already has a foot in the door in this uh, offense with the upside of being their running back one. So I think at this price, very, very interesting here with Roshan Johnson. Now, another running back I'm going to have here is Chase Brown. He's going off the board as the running back 52, a, a fourth round pick. And I feel like there's like one like clear best case scenario outcome, which probably doesn't seem very likely. But that would be just the Bengals straight up like releasing Joe Mixon. There's been talk of that all offseason. I will say that after the draft, it seems like that's probably not super likely. And free agency, like they didn't really make any key additions at the running back position. They didn't spend top draft capital. They didn't really bring in much competition like through free agency. So I think Mixon is probably set here you do just like to kind of hold on to that as like a potential way for Chase Brown to just step right into the RB1 role. But even if Mixon stays here, I think Chase Brown has some decent value as a handcuff. The uh, Bengals have kind of recently come out, spoken very highly of uh, Travion Williams, but I mean, he's been with the Bengals for four seasons, has 47 total carries. I would imagine that like the new guy coming in who maybe we don't know what we have is the better option than someone they've had on their roster for four seasons and really hasn't gotten any, uh, you know, kind of run with this offense. Chase Brown, great athlete with solid size, five 5'10", 210 pounds. He's coming off of an absurd 2022 season at Illinois, and he's a guy who can catch passes. So at this price tag, RB52, like you could be getting a handcuff on one of the best offenses in the NFL, which I think is a very, very valuable role, you know, obviously. And then my fifth and final must draft rookie is going to be Tank Bigsby. He's going off the board as the running back 54 um, in a 15th round pick. And looking at Tank Bigsby, this honestly might be my biggest must draft. And he is going, you know, so late because I truly think he could be like a top five handcuff that's being drafted as a running back five. And even if we're going to take like a pessimistic approach on Tank Bigsby kind of in this offense, say he steps into this Jaguars running back room, Travis Etienne's just better. Travis Etienne is the clear running back one. Bigsby isn't eating into his workload at all and is firmly set up as like the RB2, the backup. Even if that happens, I still think he's a really solid value here. An injury to Etienne would turn him into, at worst, an RB2 week to week. And I also just don't think there's this guarantee that Etienne is locked in as the third down back. There seems to be this idea that Etienne is kind of just locked into this role. There's no way he loses opportunity which doesn't make a ton of sense to me because like I was someone who was very high on ETN heading into the uh, 2022 season. But like as someone who was high on him, last season did not give me a ton of confidence that he is going to be this locked in workhorse moving forward. He struggled early on to beat out James Robinson, who ended up being traded and then just turned into like a complete non-factor. So it's not like he was you know, competing with some sort of world beater out there. You also have Tank Bigsby, who is a solid college prospect. They draft him in the third round, so he gets day two draft capital. Now, I'm not saying that because he went in the third round, he's going to now be the starter, but I think he could cut into ETN's workload and it wouldn't be crazy. So I just think in general, when we're looking at the range of outcomes here, even in a kind of a a poor split for him where he just ends up as the backup, I still think this is a value here. I mean, and then there's some serious value if now Bigsby's kind of eating into those opportunities um maybe they have some sort of split here going on then he could be potentially like a weekly rb3 so i really like bigsby here at this price like i said even worst case scenario is a handcuff i think 15th round rb54 you just have to be uh you know pressing the draft button on him at that price but that is going to wrap it up for my must draft rookies let me know what you guys think you buying these players at their price are you going to pass sell Let me know uh, down below in the comment section. If you enjoyed, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and I will see you all in the next one.